0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Breakfast with Mom. We are your hosts. I'm Shanoa. And I'm Sandra. What's going on in your world, Mama? Uh, the same old, same old. Uh,
1: getting things done around the house, and uh, can't wait
0: until we have cooler weather. I hear that a lot. I'm not going to lie. I, I like hot weather. I don't like cold and rainy. I don't thrive in that. But this is a bit hot. Today, I think it said 105.
1: 106.
0: Oh, yeah, 106. Tomorrow, it's going to be 105. Yeah, and we've got, and this is, you know, Friday Night Lights time. Mm -hmm. So, going out and watching the football games. Although I'm not there for football, I am there to watch the teenage daughter do drill team things. What little drill team she can actually do. She injured her foot, so there's no halftime show for her. But she can do the things in the stands, so we go to support that for her. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this coin that I have. So this is a coin that is a quarter, and of course it has Washington on it. And on the back, it has Bessie Coleman. I have been waiting two years for this coin to come out. Bessie Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N, was a African-American pilot. And she was very, very fantastic. We will be doing an episode about her, but the hubby washed my car on Monday. And when he got his roll of quarters from whatever store he stopped at, when he busted it open and was going through the quarters to do the car wash thing, this popped out because it's a very shiny quarter. And he looked at it and he goes, oh, this is a brand new quarter. And he flipped it over and he saw it was Bessie Coleman. And he said, oh, I better put that in my pocket so I don't spend it. and I take it home. So he brought it home. And he goes, I got something for you. And I said, oh, what is it? And he said, I have this coin. I was like, oh, what would he do? You know, it's a coin. And he goes, no, 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 it's a coin. Look at it. And so I looked at it I was like, oh, it's a new coin. Okay, it's this year's coin. And he goes, flip it over. So I flipped it over and it's Bessie Coleman with her little pilot helmet on and her plane. It's like, I have been waiting two years for this coin to come out. And he remembered, this dude remembers nothing, but he remembered <laughs> I wanted this coin. He can't remember what I told him we're having for dinner. But he remembered from two years ago that I wanted his coin. Mm, So we will be doing a show about her. She's fantastic. Are we ready to jump into today's show? Sure. Okay. Today, I want to tell you about Bass Reeves, a lawman from the 1800s. In light of the new series coming out on Paramount sometime this year, which may be pushed to next year depending on the strike, The series will be called Lawmen, Bass Reeves. Created by Chad Frehan. the series will will be part of the Taylor Sheridan production portfolio. As always, you can find my resources in the show notes. Bass Reeves, born in July 1838, was an African-American lawman who became a legendary figure in the American Wild West. His remarkable career as a deputy U.S. Marshal spanned over three decades during which he apprehended more than 3,000 outlaws and brought them to justice. Reeves' unparalleled bravery, sharpshooting skills, and unwavering commitment to upholding the law made him one of the most respected and feared lawmen of his time. Reeves was born into slavery in Crawford County, Arkansas to parents owned by William S. Reeves growing up on the Reeves uh, Plantation. He learned the skills necessary for survival in the harsh conditions of the South, i.e. heat, mosquitoes, things like that. Reeves started as a water boy until he was old enough to become a field hand working alongside his parents. In about 1846, William Reeves moved his operation Family and Slaves to Grayson County, Texas. However, his life took a dramatic turn when the Civil War erupted leading to the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. Reeves, now a free man, left his former owner and fled to Indian Territory, present-day Oklahoma, where he found refuge among the Seminole and Creek tribes. After the Civil War, Reeves settled in Van Buren, now Crawford County, with his wife Jenny and children. Oral history states that Reeves served as a scout and guide for deputy U.S. Marshals going into Indian Territory on business for the Van Buren Federal Court. In 1875, Judge Isaac C. Parker became the federal judge for the Western District of Arkansas, which had jurisdiction over Indian Territory. This court had moved from Fort Smith, Sebastian County in 1875. Reeves was hired as a commissioned deputy U.S. marshal, making him one of the first black federal lawmen west of the Mississippi River. It was Indian Territory that Reeves began his journey towards becoming a lawman. In 1875, he was appointed as U.S. deputy by George Isaac C. Parker. He is now he was known as the Hanging Judge, who was responsible for bringing law and order to the lawless frontier. Reeves was the first African American to receive such a position position west of the Mississippi River, a testament to his exceptional abilities and character. During his law enforcement career, Reeves stood 6'2 and weighed 180 pounds. 6'2 is pretty tall in that time. He could shoot a pistol or rifle accurately with his right or left hand. Settlers said Reeves could whip any two men with his bare hands. Reeves became a legend during his lifetime for his ability to catch criminals under trying circumstances. He brought fugitives by the dozen into Fort Smith Federal Jail. Reeves said the largest number of outlaws he ever caught at one time was 19 horse thieves he captured near Fort Sill, Oklahoma. The noted female outlaw, Belle Starr, turned herself in at Fort Smith when she found out Reeves had the warrant for her arrest. Leaving Fort Smith often with a pocket full of warrants, Reeves would return months later, hurting several outlaws charged with crimes raging from bootlegging to murder. Paid in fees and rewards, he would make a handsome profit before spending a little time with his family and returning to the range once again. Reeves' reputation was, um, as a fearless and skilled lawman quickly spread throughout the region. He possessed an uncanny ability to track fugitives, often relying on his extensive knowledge of the land and his uh, remarkable disguises to infiltrate criminal organizations. Reeves was known to dress as a cowboy or a Native American or even a preacher to gain the trust of outlaws and bringing them to justice. Though Reeves could not read or write, it did not curb his effectiveness in bringing back the criminals. Before he headed out, he would have someone read him the warrants and memorize the contents and which warrant was which. When asked to produce the warrant, he never failed to pick out the correct one. An imposing figure, always riding on a large white stallion, Reeves began to earn a reputation for his courage and successful at bringing in or killing many desperados of the territory. Always wearing a large hat, Reeves was usually a spiffy dresser, with his boots polished to a gleaming shine. He was also known for his politeness and courteous manner. However, when the purpose served him, he was a master of disguises and often utilized aliases. You know who that reminds you of? Yes. Who? Long Ranger. Very good. His most famous arrest came in 1882, when he captured the notorious outlaw Bob Dozer, Reeves tracked Dozer into, uh, for two weeks, enduring harsh weather conditions and treacherous terrain. When he finally caught up with him, a fierce gunfight ensued, resulting in Dozer's captured and subsequent conviction. This high-profile arrest solidified Reeves' reputation as a formidable lawman. The greatest testimony to his devotion to deputy was the fact that he brought his own son in for murder once he received the warrant. Wow. In 1887, Reeves was tried, the son, for murder for shooting of his trail cook, but he was found innocent. In 1890, Reeves arrested the notorious Seminole outlaw Greenleaf who had been on the run for 18 years without capture and had murdered seven people. The same year, Reeves went after the famous Cherokee outlaw Ned Christie. Reeves and his posse burned Christie's cabin, but he eluded capture. In 1893, Reeves was transferred to the East Texas Federal Court at Paris, Texas. He was stationed at Calvin in the Choctaw Nation and took his prisoners to the Federal Commission at Paul's Valley in the Choctaw Nation. While working for the Paris Court, Reeves broke up the Tom, Stoy, no, Tom Story gang of horse thieves and operated in the Red River Valley. In 1897, Reeves was transferred to the Musko- Muskogee Federal Court in Indian Territory. Reeves remarried in 1900 to Winnie Sumter. His first wife had died in Fort Smith in 1986. In 1902, Reeves arrested his own son Benny, like I said, for domestic, you know, for domestic murder in Muskogee. Benny was convicted and sent to the federal prison in Leavenworth, or, sorry, Leavenworth, Kansas. Despite facing numerous dangers and threats to his life, Reeves never once suffered a gunshot wound or loss of prisoner. His exceptional marksmanship and quick reflexes made him a formidable opponent in any gunfight. Reeves' reputation as a skilled shooter was so renowned that it is believed to have inspired the fictional character of the Lone Ranger. Reeves served as a deputy U.S. Marshal until 1907 when Oklahoma became a state and the jurisdiction of the U.S. Marshals changed. He retired from law enforcement but continued to serve as a peace officer in Muskogee, Oklahoma, until his death in 1910 when he died of bright's disease. Reeves' legend I'm sorry, Reeves' legacy as a pioneering African American lawman has only grown over the years. His remarkable career, filled with tales of bravery and justice, has inspired countless books, movies, and television shows. Reeves' unwavering dedication to upholding the law, regardless of the dangers he faced, serves as a testament to his character and the indelible mark he left on the Wild West. On May 26, 2012, a bronze statue depicting Reeves on a horse riding west was dedicated in Fort Smith's Pendergraft Park. The statue, which was designed by sculptor Harold T. Holden, and cost more than 300000 was paid for by donations to the Bass Reeves Legacy Initiative. In the 21st century, Bass Reeves has emerged as a pop culture figure across the world. For example, he appeared in the acclaimed 2019 HBO series Watchmen, was the subject of a comic book series published by Allegiance Arts starting in 2020, and appeared in the 2020... or. Er, and appeared in 2020 as an, in one of the issues of Franco-Belgian comic book series Lucky Luke titled Un Cowboy Dans Le Cotton, published in English the following year as A Cowboy in High Cotton. He was also the subject of Sidney Thompson's trilogy of historical novels, Follow the Angel, Follow the Doves, in 2020, Hell on the Border, 2021, and the forsaken and the dead 2023 the july 2021 cover story of texas monthly magazine focused upon the border or the broader legacy of reeves reeves was also a character in the 2021 western film the harder they fall in addition to the tv series that's coming out later this year or next year so oh. any thoughts Oh, Good story. Yeah. Good story. Yeah. He was definitely a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. That he was able to do all that, and he couldn't read or write.
1: Yeah. He just memorized whatever he was told.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Good thing they didn't lie to him.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> those warrants would have been null and void if he had yeah. not turned them in correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... It's sad that the TV show, The Lone Ranger, was portrayed by a white man. Yeah. When, obviously, Bass Ridge was not. Yeah. But that was, what, the 50s and 60s? Mm-hmm. They didn't portray people. Yeah, it was
1: black and white, so it was the 50s. Yeah. So.
0: But, we now get this new series coming out called Men. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. The reason I picked this particular topic for today's episode is because I knew that that series is coming out, and I was super excited when I found out that they were doing a series about him, because, you know, how many people knew that about Bass Reeves? Who even knew there words a Bass Reeves? Right. And he's a local legend, if you think about local being Texas, Arkansas, Kansas, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was a very fascinating human.
1: Yeah, and to not get any, was it shot? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he survived
0: all of that. He even had the white horse. Yeah. (laughs) I have a say what? Are you interested? Sure. Okay. This say what comes from the NPR uh, .org website. And it was published August 21st, 2023. And it's uh, headlined, Monster Hunters Are Conducting the Largest Search of Loch Ness <laughs> in More Than 50 Years. I mean, if there really is a Loch Ness, I hope they prove it. Because that, that legend has been around forever. Yes. Researchers and monster hunters are gathering in the United Kingdom's Scottish Highlands this weekend to look for the eternally elusive Loch Ness monster, the biggest search for the legendary beast in more than 50 years. Somewhere beneath the shimmering surface of Loch Ness lies Nessie, the legendary sea beast whose reputation spans nearly 1,500 years. At least that's what monster hunters and Nessie enthusiasts from around the world hope to prove Saturday and Sunday. The Loch Ness Center and the research group Loch Ness Exploration are asking all aspiring monster hunters to join in on the biggest search since 1972. Quote, Our purpose is to observe, record, and study the natural behavior of the Loch Ness and phenomena that may be more challenging to explain. Unquote. The Loch Ness Exploration Facebook page reads, Quote, If you believe that the Loch Ness Monster exists, Then we invite you to join the search. We equally invite you to support the study of the lock and the natural behavior of the elements that may be the root cause of these strange reports from Loch Ness. Investigators are breaking out all sorts of technology, including surveying equipment the Loch Ness Center says has never been used on the freshwater lake before. Drones with infrared cameras will fly over the lake, and hydrophone will be used under the surface to detect, quote, Nessie-like calls, unquote, the center says. Volunteers will also participate in a large surface watch of the lock scanning the surface for any irregularities. However, due to an, quote, overwhelming demand, unquote, from enthusiasts, The group is no longer accepting applicants hoping to participate in person, but the Loch Ness Center says those still eager to participate can do so virtually through a live stream. At 22 square miles and the maximum depth of 788 feet, Loch Ness is Great Britain's largest lake by volume and second largest by surface area, according to Encyclopedia Britannica. Though the first written accounts of a monster are attributed to the Irish monk St. Columba's encounter in 565 A.D., reports of a creature in the lake are depicted in an ancient stone carving around the area. But the legend of a monster lurking in the loch didn't gather greater attention until April of 1933, when a couple driving along the newly built road around the lake saw an animal they compared to a, quote, dragon or prehistoric monster, according to the Scottish Marine Time Museum. More sightings soon followed, and big game hunter Marmaduke Weatherall was commissioned to track the monster down in December of 1933. He said he found large tracks along the shoreline, but zoologists at the Natural History Museum debunked the tracks. The following year was when English physician Robert Wilson took a photo now known as the, quote, surgeon's photograph, unquote, which appeared to show Nessie's head atop a long, slender neck poking out of the water. The picture was printed in the Daily Mail, and the Loch Ness Monster was thrust into international stardom. One of the participants in that search confessed on his deathbed that the picture was staged, according to the Daily Mail. The Loch Ness creature... Our Loch Ness Center says there have been more than 1,140 official Nessie sightings. Paul Nixon, the center's general manager, said he's excited to see what's, what turns up after the waters are searched like never before over the weekend. Quote, we are guardians of this unique story, Nixon said. He also says and as well as investing in creating an unforgettable experience for visitors. We are committed to helping continue the search and unveil the mysteries that lie underneath the waters of the famous lock. So, my guess is they found nothing, or we would have had an updated article about that. But I still found that interesting that, after all this time, people are still interested in that darn Loch Ness Loch Ness monster. Yes, I remember reading some book that we had, and it was um, like medical mysteries and mysteries of the water and stuff like that. It was some big black book that we had, and that was a story in there was was Loch Ness real? Yeah. And that was of course before the deathbed confession, because I mean we've had that we had that book a long time ago. Yeah. before there was ever an internet. I, I used to read that book cover to cover, and I thought that book was just the best thing ever.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like hearing yeah. about, you know, things like... Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, fact or fiction type things. Yes. Yes. Yep. Well, to me, that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with with true crime. hmm Because there's a lot of older crimes, stories that can be blown out of proportion because there's no true documenting yeah. evidence and, you know, things like that, mm-hmm. photography, that yeah, kind did, of thing. Did they blow it up just to get a story? hmm And with that debunking, I think they said it was a tire. They cut a tire to make it look oh, like the yeah. head. hmm Yeah. Like them punks. Yeah, <laughs> they got everybody all up in a tizzy. Yeah, for for decades, because it wasn't like a deathbed confession. The next year, it was decades later. That must have been wearing on him pretty bad, for him to tell that.
1: Because, I mean, if it wasn't, he could have gone to the grave. Or he like just it.
0: wanted a giggle. He wanted. Mm-hmm. He he just wanted to have the last laugh. That's how mm-hmm. how I see it. I think who knows maybe maybe that wasn't fake,
1: maybe that was something, and he just said that just because the you know he um uh, he he wanted people to not think it was true.
0: yeah, you never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. Motivation is a tricky thing, yeah, some people do it just
1: out of spite, yeah, you know, they lie out of spite and then some people
0: just tell the truth out of, out of spite. spite so
1: yep. yeah we never know
0: it'll be interesting to to find out when we go to the big pearly gates in the sky yeah if some of this stuff is true yep. we'll finally know about Dan Cooper and the Loch Ness Monster <laughs> those, those are my top two mysteries that I would like solved Um. If there's nothing else, please remember to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, or Amazon Podcast. May your breakfast be hot and your coffee strong. Bye!